0: Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly. Great to be back in Studio B here at Airline Drive, the Osher Sports Performance Center. We've been out and about and hither and yon and road black and blue report, home black and blue report, from the home black and blue report, but we're back in the studio today. And we kind of get back to the basics as well as we uh, we enter this next portion of the schedule for both the Saints And the Pelicans, and we're going to lean on two of our favorites today. We've got Pelicans basketball to talk with David Wesley. The Pelicans have won three straights. They had a great road trip, and now they're home for 11 of their final 16 games. We haven't talked to David in this format in some time. And John is finally back in town. He is fresh off of the Combine in Indianapolis, and there's a ton to talk about with his experience there. You want to make sure that you go on to NewOrleansSaints.com and look at all the interviews and reports that John did from the Combine, they, of course, are highlighted by one-on-ones with Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland. All good, good stuff. So we're going to kind of pull a bunch of out of his brain today as well. And so going to go John DeShazer and then David Wesley. Ash Wednesday, by the way, for many uh, around our community. And uh, obviously the Mardi Gras uniforms go away for the Pelicans now. Uh, but we settle into a new schedule starting tonight with the Utah Jazz team that the Pelicans just beat on um monday i got my days all screwed up not only were, were we on the road forever but then when you throw mardi gras in there and the fact that so many were off yesterday like yesterday felt like a sunday so today feels like a monday but actually it's wednesday yeah we're all kind of out of sorts here but we'll, we'll get back into the groove here with david and john on today's show so without further ado uh here in just a moment we'll go john de saints Combine Talk, and then David Wesley, NBA and Pelicans, of course.
1: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly.
0: John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com steps into Studio B for the first time in a while. Or maybe you've been here and I just haven't. You and I haven't been in the same room forever. I
2: feel like I've been gone for about a month. Now, that might be exaggerating, but I kind of feel like I've taken a, a big hiatus in the middle of the season, like I'm Carmelo Anthony and somebody sent me away or something. I don't know. I don't we're, know. We're
0: signing you for the rest of the way. Your playoff element. Yeah, I got a 10-day on yeah. me. Uh, he's fresh back from the Combine. That's what we wanted to kind of put a bowl on today. Uh, John, every time I looked up, you were interviewing somebody. Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and so I wanted to sit you down and and start to glean what you took away from those interviews and what you saw while you were in Indianapolis last week.
2: Well, mainly um, what you learn from Mickey and Sean is basically it's a a hand-in-hand process with the combine and the player evaluation in terms of looking at rookies, but you really want to see what the team does in free agency before they go into the draft, because a lot of times they'll fill several holes uh, in free agency before they go into the draft. You have to remember last year uh, they picked up Kurt Coleman at safety. Uh, in free agency. They married, managed to pick up Demario Davis in free agency. So a lot of times you're able to fill the needs uh, that way instead of going to the draft. Because if you go into the draft with a need as a, at, a, at a certain point, then you're probably going to be reaching for maybe – sometimes you'll reach for a guy that you, might not be evaluated as highly as where you pick him, but you have to take him because you have a need. Uh, so they're, they're going to try to fill it out that way. But, you know, you learned um, the defensive line – was supposed to be the strong point in this draft. And if you look at the combine highlights and if you put any stock in those, defensive linemen uh, had a pretty solid uh, workout day. Um, so that's something that the Saints are looking at. Um, I think Coach Payton mentioned uh, tight end being an area, and that's you know obviously something that they're going to have to look at with Benjamin Watson retiring, and, and you're not knowing the status of Michael Nui on this team. Uh, defensive tackle is something that might have to be addressed because Sheldon Rankins is injured. Uh, Don't know how long it's going to take for him to come back from that ruptured Achilles, I believe. And Tyler Davidson is an unrestricted free agent. Don't know if he's going to be re-signed. Uh, So those areas. And then you got to look at running back also. Mark Ingram is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, What's going to be his value on the open market? And is it going to be too much for the Saints to have to match that kind of thing. So, you know, there are several areas where the Saints are probably going to have to make some hay in free agency before we know what they're going to do in the draft. And oh, by the way, uh, there's limited <laughs> in the draft because they only have a second rounder, a fifth rounder, two sixth rounders, and two seventh rounders. Yes, you can get value late in the draft. That's absolutely possible. But we already know that the guys who have the best chance of making your team and the best chance of making an impact in those first two or three rounds. So, you know, there, there's a lot of work to be done.
0: Yeah. So with that being said, did you feel like it was business different or business as usual for the Saints?
2: I kind of felt like it was business as usual because, you know, and and after all after I say all that, the Saints have less holes to plug than this offseason than than probably they had in the last 2-3 years because if you look at it on paper, Uh, They look pretty set at most positions. You can say they probably could use some help at wide receiver based on what happened down the stretch of last season. Uh, We just mentioned the Mark Ingram situation. Uh, We mentioned the defensive tackle situation. But all in all, uh, there are starters – and depth returning at each of those positions. Uh, I know it's a luxury to say you need a running back because of Alvin Kamara, but you do need to split that load in the NFL. And we've seen from what Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram were able to do in tandem how valuable it is to have two guys at that position. Um, But other than that, man, it, it looks like the Saints are really deep, uh, and they've got a lot of guys coming back who had really good seasons last year. Uh, they were the number one seed in the NFC, so now you just want to see those guys improve. And obviously, you gotta again, you gotta bolster it some in the drafting and free agency.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think you'd be surprised if the Saints went after a first round pick. Do you?
2: No, I wouldn't be shocked, but they're in a the lot, lot of capital to to do that with. I mean, they'd have to you know probably give away some future picks or maybe maybe even players uh, that they want on this team, and so I don't necessarily know that they jump up into the first round because, again, there aren't any – I don't I don't see the Saints having a gaping hole. You know, like last year when when Coach Payton said they needed an edge rusher, they needed an edge rusher. So they went up and got Marcus Davenport. Now he got hurt and it didn't work out quite as well as they wanted it to. But at that time – yeah, for now, yeah. for now. But at that time, yeah, that was a pretty gaping hole. I, I think the only – if I said a gaping hole – I would say probably a tight end uh, with Benjamin Watson again retiring and Josh Hill's returning and you've got you know Garrett Griffin and some other guys, you know Dan Arnold who contributed some, but they do they have a one guy, you know now Rob gronkowski's don't fall off trees so it's hard to find that kind of one guy but do they have a guy that they feel really good with uh, as a pass catcher and as a blocker as a, as a dual threat at tight end i, I would say you know that and, and the mark ingram situation because everything else looks pretty sick now and let me back up because if you look at the safety position you've got vaughn bell you have got marcus Williams, you've got also chris banjo uh, there's going to need to be some help there because Kurt Coleman was released uh, that, you know, contract didn't work out as well. He, you know, his production didn't work out as well. So, and there are a lot of free safeties and life safeties on the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could be an area where they could go and, and see about getting some help in free agency. But a lot of those guys might want a lot more money than the saints, you know, are willing to dedicate to a backup safety because, you know, whoever it is, they ain't going to start in front of Marcus Williams, probably ain't going to start in front of Von Bell the way he's playing And if you can get back a healthy uh, Patrick Robinson to play your nickel, uh, if you can maybe re-sign a PJ Williams who played nickel extremely well, uh, then you've got some, some depth in that secondary to where you don't have to reach uh, and and pay big money to a guy.
0: Yeah. All right. So it, it does seem like, like you said, normal. Let's see what free agency brings. And yeah, it, it, we'll really, it really it really does. So, I mean, I think yeah. good
2: teams go in there and say, okay, who can we get in free agency veteran-wise to plug our needs, and then we'll go after the best available, quote-unquote, guy in the draft.
0: Yeah, and that would be the only thing I would say is that maybe less so of a position, but maybe there's a guy that they think would be a great, great fit um, yeah. And then you go and you try and acquire him before somebody else does. Yeah, and that, that's and that's possible. Yeah.
2: That's possible. But again, you know, you got to spend some capital to get up there to get him because they're in the second round. So they're going to have to. And the first round draft pick has has value, as we've yeah. seen. When, what we saw when the Saints moved up last year to get to get Davenport, uh, there's some uh, value attached to it. To, so they're going to have to be able to pay the freight to to get there.
0: There's a lot of things that happen at the combine. The interviews, you know, the the networking. Of course, and then there's the, the measurables and everything else. Some have said, though, John, that the, the combine as it, as it exists right now should go the way of the dodo bird, that it's it's uh, antiquated and and whatnot. I I don't know if I can get behind that argument. Well,
2: I mean, well, look, he, here's here's the argument in favor of that.
0: In favor of getting rid of it. In favor it. of getting rid or of it. Redoing uh, it.
2: Okay. Uh, redoing it, revamping. It, how you want to do it. A lot of th- what you get out of the combine, guys running 40s and, and everybody, you know, giving I, I think, it, you know, when there was mystery, when you didn't see guys, you know, the workouts on TV, you know, it was a whole lot more sexy. But now you look at it and think about it. A guy runs a blistering 40 uh, at the combine who hadn't done that and hadn't shown that during the season. Do you take that and say, okay, well, instead of a third rounder, maybe we should make him a late first rounder. Or you do? do you go to the tape that you've been watching all season long? You know that's the thing uh, when guys get in there and you see their measurables. If a guy is six one and a half instead of six three, is that really going to be that big of a difference? The way you say, well, you know, he was a top fifteen pick. Now he's going to drop down to forty five. You know, so from that standpoint, I will look at it and say, okay, it, it's a little bit antiquated. Now, the the valuable part of it, and I think coaches will will tell you that, is the interview process. But again. These these interviews are like speed dating. They're 15-minute interviews and you're going around the clock trying to get interviews. So it's like, you know, the next guy sits in the chair and then he gets up and then the next guy gets in the chair. It's speed dating. And then on top of that, these guys and their agents and their representatives are so smart now. You prep for those. You know exactly what's coming. So unless you are a complete and total idiot, they're going to put you on the board and have you draw up some plays. <laughs> They're going to ask you some questions and probably see what you're thinking. But, you know, it's going to be real hard to, to fail in that situation, especially fail enough to where a team that likes you is going to say, you know, we got to take him off our board. You know, a lot of times you'll find out more after the combine from a player because I think then coaches and scouts have talked to their college coaches have talked to their teammates, you know, those kinds of things. That's the background information you're going to get. You ain't going to get much in that 15-minute, you know, dating session. You're you're going to get everything you want on the background, you know, when you spread out and get back to that kid's campus and talk to some of the people who've been around him for a lot.
0: Trying to figure out which is less effective, congressional hearings or those combine interviews. That's a a a toss-up right there. (laughs) That's a toss-up. Yes. Uh, Another thing that happens in Indianapolis during that same time is the start of the competition committee's annual work.
2: Now that means something. <laughs> yes.
0: So Sean Payton's on that committee. Um, you talked to Sean Payton. And I know that you talk talked to others that cover the league. So where are we? What do you think? Give me the, give me the entry into that conversation.
2: The thing that seems to be getting sexy and getting some, some, some footage maybe, I think, I think it's the Ravens who kind of pronounced the, the sky official sky judge. Yeah. The sky yeah. judge. And, and that I think can gain some traction in the NFL because, look, there's going to have to be something done. You can't have a situation like what happened to the Saints in the NFC Championship game happen again. That cannot happen again. And, and the thing about the NFL, at least my opinion, is the pride that, that I don't want to say arrogance, but the pride that, that's going along with this because, look, the CFL has replay on pass interference calls. It can be done. But I guess the NFL is saying, "Well, we don't want to steal some. A good idea is a good idea. I don't care where it came from. It doesn't matter where it came from if it's a good idea. Take it. All
0: the teams are.
2: Yeah, and, and, and that's it's, how we yeah. get trends in the league. Yeah, and it's a very good idea. So I don't know why the NFL feels like they got to drag their feet and you know, oh, we just got to look. If it, if the if the CFL figured out how to make it work, then you can figure out how to make it work the exact same way the CFL is. So." I think that's just a pride thing where the NFL wants to say, oh, we ain't going to steal anything from little brother. Look, anybody who's got a little brother in real life and a little brother who has something that they want, they've stolen it from their whole life. So, <laughs> so, you know, you take a good idea and you run with it. Uh, the Sky Judge seems to be workable. And a lot of things, a lot of that is, you know, when you get in that situation – Now it's, you know, how do you curry the votes? Because, you know, now you got to go out and do a little selling and make sure. But I I think enough teams saw that to say, you know, there but for the grace of Tagliabue, go I. And it can happen to me. You know, and if it happens to you, it's too late now to say, you know, what, hey, we should have done that three years ago. Uh, Do it three years. Do it right now. And then you won't have to worry about that in the future.
0: So let me get this right. Canada has universal health care and replay on pass interference, neither of which we want. Two very good ideas.
2: <laughs> two very good workable ideas.
0: <laughs> I've been watching too much cable news.
2: Two very—you yeah, sound like Rachel yeah. over there. But <laughs> two very good workable ideas that can easily be implemented. And for some reason, it's like, nah, that's yeah, but what? There's nothing wrong with stealing a good idea from somebody else. That's all I'm saying.
0: I agree. I agree. What's next on the calendar, football-wise?
2: Uh, next on the football calendar is the owners' meetings where they will actually go into the adoption of the Sky Judge or uh, modifications to replay or whatever they want to call it. That's where it will happen, and that will be in Phoenix uh, March 24th through 27. So that's where we're really getting to the meat of you know, whether or not this takes. Uh, I think, again – it sounds like it's too easy and makes too much sense to not go through, but we're dealing with thirty NFL teams and thirty owners and you know, you just don't know.
0: Are we done messing around with the kickoff?
2: I think, um, you know, all the life has been taken out of it, so I don't know what else you can do to it. I mean, (laughs) other than just say, you know what, we're not going to kick it off at all anymore. Each team's just going to start at the 25 and be done with it completely. It's almost been abolished almost. I mean, you've got to have a guy back there that you really like a lot to where you can say, okay, if it doesn't go out of the end zone, you've got permission to take it out from nine yards deep. Because if you take it out nine yards deep and you return it to the 17, that's a 26-yard return. That's pretty good, but you didn't get to the 20.
0: I'm with you. I know, Alliance of American Football, no kickoff. I don't, don't care for it, but that's okay. Yeah,
2: I'm, look, the NFL is doing everything it can to go that way without saying we just not we, we're just not going to kick it off. But everything they're doing is leaning in that direction to where they just don't kick it off.
0: I agree. All right, just one more thing to take away from football. Yeah. Foot. Foot. F o o t. Yeah. Okay, I'm in a better mood. I don't want people to think I'm in a salty mood. I've been kind of contrarian to some of you. i'm been.
2: I'm in a great mood
0: okay great to have you back
2: good to be back yes sir thank you john anytime
0: we turn our attention now to the pelicans in nba basketball and we have a little throwback on this wednesday a little wesley wednesday as david wesley analyst for fox sports new orleans kind enough to join us and talk about the pelicans coming off of what you'd have to consider an extremely successful road trip they've won three in a row and I think five of their last eight, as a matter of fact. David, great to have you back.
1: Well, it's good to be back. And, um, yeah, the, the Pelicans are doing rather well, um, especially a team that struggled on the road. They went out and got three straight road wins, and that's always a, a good thing.
0: How did they do it, David?
1: Well, I, I think, one, is effort. Um, it wasn't consistent effort, but it was effort enough and you know, that, that mindset that we're not going to quit, we're going to keep playing, uh, and a lot of contributions from a lot of different sources. Uh, you know, I, when I think of that win, I think back to as well as Drew and Randall played, um, Kenridge hit the big three on the, on the wing, and it was like, okay, they're right there. There's a chance. And even when I thought they were trying not to lose that last game, they made plays, and and that was one thing that they didn't have early in the season, making plays on the defense and offensive end, uh, and they and they certainly started doing that here lately.
0: David, in some ways, have they adjusted to a new normal?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess you know if you can call um, call it normal. Uh, this is one of the oddest situations I've seen in in my time uh, in the NBA and and covering the NBA. So um but you know these guys seem to be handling it well um guys are happy that they're getting an opportunity to play they're playing their minutes well for the most part they're learning on the job and you know with with, with these young guys getting a chance to play they don't have time to worry about all the noise and they're coming ready to play and and i like that
0: i, I agree with you you mentioned uh, holiday and randall uh, and then you went on to say that you know other guys played an important role. Let me take you back, though, to those two guys. Um, have they put this team on their back in, in some regard?
1: I think in a, in a big way. Uh, I think they have taken taking the, taking the responsibility. And you take a guy like Drew, for example. He's not that head down, I'm going to score James Harden-like. He fills the game out. He picks his spots. And now he's having to start – be more James Harden-ish in, in the attack mode. And I know you need me to score. I know you need me to, to, to do more than I've been doing. Uh, and he seems like he's relishing that uh, here late in the season. And Randall, he, he's always been on the attack, uh, but he's getting more of an opportunity. He knows the team is counting on him to put up numbers, and he's doing that as well. So uh, these two guys have, have taken on that role, and I think they're really enjoying
0: it. Yeah, I, well, I'm enjoying watching it, that's for sure. David, in this new normal, we're watching a lot of young guys get um, bigger minutes, uh, more of a chance to showcase themselves a little bit. Pick me a player that's maybe caught your eye and what they've done with this to get better as a player.
1: Well, well I think for me, um, I think Kenrich is doing and – it, and it's hard to pick one uh, because all of them are showing – exactly what you want to see. Uh, Kenrich would be one, uh, you know, and I love undrafted guys. I love guys that that have to grind it, uh, get an opportunity, be ready for that opportunity. And uh, so he sticks out to me. Uh, But I think all the young guys that are playing have shown really good signs and flashes of of something that is good for a team. Um, And... You know, even though I'm, I'm talking about Kenrich you know, I think Sheck has done a great job when he's been out there, um, and he cares. He's having fun when he's out there. He's so much fun to watch. And then Frank Jackson, uh, you saw him go through a little bit of a slump. He went more than a month, and he couldn't hit more than one three in a game. Then all of a sudden, he just gets hot, and he goes six of ten in three games, which um, where he's hit, hit multiple uh, threes in, in all those games. So, uh, you know, with that said, you know, all of them are showing signs, all of them are growing, all of them are having fun. And that's what I like to see. I like to see guys out there that that, that get to play, that get to play. They're coming to the, the arena thinking, I get to play tonight, and not it's on the schedule, I have to play.
0: Mm, good, good differential there. I, I like that idea or that thought. Um, David, you know, there's about sixteen to go here. Is this simply we're just trying to figure out who we wanna keep and don't keep? I mean, isn't that the case every year, but is it more so here now?
1: I think I think so. I think this is a big evaluation time. There's some uncertainty when it comes to the GM role and, and what he's gonna want or look for, or you know, is there gonna be a change there or is Danny Ferry gonna to, gonna to continue on and and, and and lead this ship? Uh, but yes, more so because of that. These guys are, you know, basically out there showing the NBA I belong, and this is what I bring to the table. And that can be scary, or it can be fun. Uh, I, that's my that's my come into the league. Every night, I felt like I had to prove that I belong, and when you have that. And that is your focus, that you are just proving that you know how to belong, or proving that you belong. And that also says not, I'm going to go out here and get 20. It says, I'm going to make the right plays. I'm going to make the right passes. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to give effort, go get uh, rebounds, multiple efforts in defensive plays, multiple efforts in offensive plays, uh, knowing exactly what, what the plays are, executing them, doing them with speed and pace. All those things show up when they don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. And basketball people know, okay, that guy, he brings something. And that's what these guys are trying to prove. That's what I was trying to prove. And and as I'm watching, I'm looking at that. See who belongs. See who, who can help this team. And I, and I think everybody is, is giving that kind of effort.
0: You, you mentioned that you had to do that. And you did so, what, late 90s, basically, mid to late 90s, David, when you were in this mid- same position? It, yes. Um yeah how is it the same as then and how is it different today for those guys in that same position
1: well it's the same in the evaluation is is the same you're looking for what style what um, traits help your team Um, and and I think that's how it will always be how can this player help my team I think where it's different is When I was coming in, it was hard for rookies and second-year guys to get on the floor. A lot of old-school coaches didn't trust them, didn't like them, didn't think they deserved to be out there playing. So you had to kind of work your way in. You had more veterans that can kind of teach you the game. This era is more young guys, we're going to develop you. We're going to get you out there, learn under fire. Um, and you see a lot of guys in the lineup and then they're out of the lineup, in the lineup, in the rotation, out of the rotation. Um, And they give them a chance to learn. Now the D League is available where you can go get guys reps, whether they're hurt or they're not quite ready yet. Um, and, And they have more of an opportunity. And then when you play in a system like Alvin's, where there's a lot of shots, a lot of possessions, a lot of guys get a, an opportunity to shine, whereas the Pelicans averaging in 116. In my day, everybody was averaging high 90s, low 100s. So there weren't as many possessions, and there wasn't an emphasis on let's see how many possessions we get. It was more let's make this possession a good one.
0: Mm, okay. Um, are you in the mood to role play? I'll role play. Oh, Yes need some music perhaps let's, let's finish on this yeah. david i'm gonna play you play you um and i'm gonna play the role of a fan who says i'm not so sure i want to go to any of these 11 home games remaining i mean the anthony davis thing i don't know whether to boo or to cheer or when he's gonna go or when he's not gonna go and uh, david they can't make the playoffs and 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 all this um what would you tell that fan about these 11 remaining home games
1: well one when it comes to anthony davis it's your prerogative. Uh, my, my thing with, with fans, that's the fun of coming to a game. If you want to boo, boo. If you want to cheer, cheer. Um, if you still love him to death, fine. That is, that is your prerogative. The only problem I would have is if he's walking off the court and you have something stupid to say. That's not necessary, but if you're up in your seat and you want to boo, do your thing. If you want to cheer, do your thing. But these last remaining games, you're getting a, a brand of basketball that is fun to watch. There's nothing more pure than guys playing for their basketball lives when they're out there and they're working hard and they're, they're grinding it out. And it shows in the last two games coming from a 19-point deficit to a, and a 17-point deficit. The 19-point deficit came off of a game where they played in Phoenix and now they're on a back-to-back. They feel good. We won a road game. Those guys could have killed. You know, we're down 19. Let's take the rest of the night off. And then, and not to mention, they beat a Denver team that was, you know, top of the conference, top of the league. Then they come back and play another good team that they're playing for their playoff lives. They're in the sixth position. Um, that game means a lot. They're really good at home. They get down 17 and they fight all the way back and win that game. This is fun to watch. This is this is you know I these last few games there were times when at the table I thought to stand up. I'm not supposed to be cheering, but it it, it was it was that exciting to me. And you know, if this kind of basketball isn't exciting to you, then you're really probably not a basketball fan. So, um, but I would say, come support, show love. And, and see where this team can go
0: i like it i like it a lot different than this time last year uh, but still worth it absolutely um, absolutely and not to mention home games against utah and uh, by the way milwaukee you're going to want to see that team in person um oh but, yeah yeah the, the the lakers will be here later at home
1: the, the lakers yeah Oklahoma State still um come to new orleans so <laughs> yeah. there's some there's some good games out there and some good talent coming in and like i said if you're a fan uh, then you want to see these teams come in here and play this team. And I have no doubt in my mind that you'll you'll see a good game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I'm glad we did this. Uh, and, and role-playing was fun.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it.
0: David Wesley, Joel Myers, Jen Hale on the television tonight, Fox Sports New Orleans, and the rest of the way. 16 to go as we come to you on this, this Wednesday. 11 of them at home. David, enjoy it. Uh, I will, too, because this team has shown us a little something over the last week or two that – that gives us something to hang on to and uh, have fun with. I I am in total agreement with you.
1: Well, I I'm, I I hope the fans are, are getting behind this group. Uh, I know it's kind of a crazy time. You know, the media and, and everything is as um, you know made this a big story. But uh, I think if you if you like basketball, the real story is on the court.
0: All right, I I'm with you. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you at the arena tonight.
1: Yes, sir. Have a good one.
0: There he goes. David Wesley, part of our double dip on this uh, Black and Blue Report Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, football and basketball for you. Thanks to David and, of course, to John DeShazer as well. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time here on the podcast for Pelicans and Saints fans, the Black and Blue Report.